chapter 5. Christmas in Gadara. Mark chapter 5. So I'm getting a little off the typical Sunday night series, and of course next week we'll do something different as well. And I've just been praying, Lord, where would you lead me? Uh, obviously the traditional Christmas stories are exciting. I want to save a couple of them for next week. But uh, this is where uh, the Lord, I feel, impressed my heart to go. And I want to just take you initially to one verse and then we'll, two verses and we'll pray and then I'll backtrack on the rest of the story, okay? But look at verse 18 and verse 19. And this is in reference, this is in reference to a man that was just out of his mind, Prior to him meeting Jesus, he was out of his mind. As a matter of fact, I heard one preacher uh, give a title to this, this character and this, this narrative. And the title was this, and you'll remember it. He said he was a nude dude in a rude mood. <laughs> That's exactly, that fits, fits the narrative if you read it. A nude dude in a rude mood, and that he was. So we're going to read verse 18, verse 19. Do you remember hearing that, honey? I think it was Johnny Pope that brought that up. All right, verse 18, verse 19. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And I, I, I want to read verse 20. And he departed, and couldn't help himself. And began, That's in the Greek. And began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Before I pray, before I pray, I just got to ask, by way of testimony, in your own heart right now, are any of you, could any of you say, he has done great things for me? Great things for me. Boy, may God help us to never forget where we came from. And even if you were brought up in church, you very easily could have remained blinded to your spiritual need. And so even if you were brought up in church and you got saved and you never experienced some of the wretched things that are out there in the world, well, praise God, that's a grace. Uh, but in the same token, it took grace for you to be saved just like it did anybody else on Skid Row. Let me pray here. Lord, bless our message this evening. Thank you for the good music. My heart is lifted up in you through the song, through the singing. And Lord, through the spirit of those who, who sang, it ministered to me. And I pray, Lord, that now your word would minister to the people in this room. We sure love you. We praise you. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I, I got to uh, say something else, too. i sitting right up front here with uh, Max and Layla and Donna. Hey, my wife bragged on you, Layla. A whole family was in church because this young lady, this young lady right up here, just invited them to come. 
And they not only came, they not only came, if they're watching, they act like they liked it. Man, wow, that's awesome. You know, it's amazing what happens. And I know some of you, you get disappointed because you invite people and they don't come. But don't quit inviting people. Don't quit sharing your message. Do you think this guy here, do you think everybody believed him? Probably not. Now, it does say they marveled. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Sometimes I can't, we can't get people to believe what we believe. But if we can reflect Christ enough, they can't help but to believe that we believe what we believe. Did you follow me? Okay. And I want to be convincing, at least in my own life, in my own heart, whether anybody else accepts this. I believe this is God's word. And whether anybody else accepts this, I believe this is the guide for my life. And I'm going to follow it. That's my desire. And I'm telling you, if you make that decision, Christian, God's going to use you. He's going to grow you. And I'm not saying everything's going to be smooth sailing. Even the disciples had rough waters they had to go through. Amen? Well, boy, it sure is a lot easier to go through those rough waters knowing Jesus is in the boat than when he's not. All right, so I want to go to this verse 19 here, and I want to zero in on something that stood out to me. So this fellow has experienced a dramatic, and that's putting it lightly, a dramatic uh, transformation in his life as a result of meeting Jesus Christ. And by the way, Jesus will do that to you. He, if you uh, really encounter Christ Jesus, there will be a dramatic change. I love what the Bible says about the three wise men. It says after they gave him the gifts and worshipped him, that the Lord spoke to them and warned them. And the Bible says this, and they went another way. As opposed to the way they had come. And I'm telling you, when you and I meet Christ, often the effect, it ought to be, we now go another way, his way. But verse 19, how be it, Jesus suffered him, the converted man, the delivered man, the transformed man. He suffered him not, but saith unto him, now pay close attention, go home. I want to pause there for just a moment. Go home. Now, I can take you back up to the beginning of the chapter and tell you and prove to you that this man, prior to his counter with Christ, was demon-possessed with like a thousand demons. This man could not be controlled They had actually tried to shackle him, and he had this unusual power. We could say he was out of control. As a matter of fact, he he was living in a cemetery. It says he lived in the tombs, amongst the tombs. It says no man could bind him. 
He would howl and make these unusual noises. He would cut himself and he didn't have any clothes on. He was running around like a wild man. But if you were controlled by a thousand demons, you have no idea what you would act like either. Absolutely out of control. And now he's met Jesus Christ. Grace has come to him and deliverance has been experienced. And boy, he wants to follow the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus says to him, go home. You mean he had a home? You mean there was a place he used to call home? I wonder if he had a wife who was brokenhearted. I wonder if he had children who were brokenhearted at their dad and thought they've lost him for good. I wonder if he had a mother who was just absolutely dying inside. Boy, if they had social media back then and they could take pictures, can you imagine all the grief that the family would have to go through as they would see pictures of their lunatic son or madman husband or crazy father there in the, in the cemetery, in the tombs, and the wild demon-possessed behavior? Can you imagine the feeling they'd have in their own heart, the grief? They wouldn't even want to look at social media, and sometimes that's probably a good thing, Hello? It's discouraging and disgusting. I don't have it. Unfortunately, I know people who do, and they inform me on things. I'm like, I can't believe they'd put that on there. But can you imagine family and friends realizing their loved one has gone mad? There's no hope, and he's going to die this way. He had a home. He had a family. There were people at one time in his life that loved him and that he loved. Maybe depended upon him. I wonder if the time had come in their lives when they thought the bridge has been burned. There's no way for reconciliation. It's beyond repair. He is so far gone, it is, hear me out, because we're talking about what Jesus can do. He is beyond repair. This would be the mentality of any of us. Any of us, if we had a loved one like that, that could easily be our mentality. There is no way back. Nobody's going to trust him. Nobody's going to believe him. He'll never get a job anywhere. There's no hope he's going to die this way. I can't even come near him. And maybe, maybe in their hearts somewhere along the line, I don't know how much time had elapsed from the time he became demon-possessed. And it left his home. I don't know if it was a year, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know. There had been time that it had elapsed. And he is in families inside thinking, we're going to have to put a period on this relationship. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Nobody likes to walk around with this great weight. 
And sometimes, sometimes, just to be able to live and survive, it's like sometimes inadvertently we close the door because we feel like there's no hope anyways. And it's such a difficult thing to do. And maybe they did that. But along came Jesus. Along came Jesus. I know as sure as I'm standing here all over this room, there are people that you love and people I love. We would love to see God do to them what he did to this guy. We would love to see God intervene and God's grace touch down in their heart and transform them. We'd love that. The good news is God puts that in there to let us know, number one, he can He can. Number two, he does want to. But I believe also because you and I are here, we have the word of God, and if you know Christ as your Savior, it's you and it's me. He wants to grow. Because for some odd reason, some strange reason, some unknown reason to you and I, I can't fully explain it, but God in his grace divine touched your heart. He touched your heart. He opened your eyes. He set you free and gave you clarity and understanding of what is right and what is wrong. He gave you insight to his holy word. and He gave you this cognizant awareness that that is an inspired book written by the Holy Ghost of God with power from heaven. And that it, there are many promises in it that are conditional. And maybe, maybe it is God saying to you and I, why don't you go home? And tell your friends. Maybe you say, well, I've been saved five years. I've been saved 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Don't quit telling people what great things God hath done. Because when you get to eternity, you're going to remember you're there because of one decision. You're there because of one work of grace, the work of Jesus on the cross. You're going to be mindful of that. Allow me to read this in Mark chapter 5. Look at, look at his condition. In verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarians. Gadarenes. Now I find it fascinating because if you read the Luke account and the Matthew account, uh, he was doing a miraculous, had a miraculous ministry on the other side of the lake. And he comes over to this side of the lake to help one person. One person. He had this man in mind. I wonder if prayers had been going up. I don't know. But for some reason, one person he had in mind, he was going over there to visit that, this man. Verse 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. I know it says it in the singular. If we read on, we would discover that that spirit's name was Legion. And that spirit was uh, uh, possibly 
ruler over another thousand, and they all had access to this, this man's life. Verse 3, the Bible says, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man bind him or tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Pause just a little Bible lesson here to allow you to understand the signs of the times, the culture that we're in. You could read this and say, wow, that's crazy stuff, man. But I'm here to tell you in 2023, in America... There's that stuff going on right now. There, it's like you go down to some of these major cities and you look at some, and even some of the homeless areas, or, uh, you visit the mission now and then, and you're going to see some things that shake your head. Do I, if you were to ask me, do you believe that demons still possess people? On the authority of God's Word, I sure see evidence of it all over the place. I see people saying things and doing things, and uh, even the cutting aspect, you need to be mindful of the voices you're listening to. I mean, when that stuff's... Te- let alone run around naked. So we move on here. Watch this, verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now, pause, hold the coffee. Here, you need to get this. This demon-possessed man, I mean a man ruled by the devil, sees Jesus get out of the boat coming his way. The demon-possessed man goes toward Jesus, falls down, worships him. Now, here's what I'm here to tell you. The devil had enough sense to bow down before God Almighty. Even the devil had enough sense. Even the devil knew who Jesus was, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Even the devil knew that. Hey, just because your teacher doesn't know that doesn't mean that he isn't God. Hey, just because the professor at at, uh, 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 Harvard Pew and whatever uh, doesn't know that doesn't mean Jesus isn't God. I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter what kind of letters they have on the back of their name. It doesn't matter what they say about Christ. If they don't believe Jesus is God, it doesn't matter. Even the devils know he's God. Even the devils know that. How much more would you and I be, uh, or how much more should you and I be willing to worship the one who died for us? Are you hearing me? Just a quick question, just something for you to think about. When's the last time you bent the knee? That's all I'm asking. I'm not talking in public. When's the last time you bent your knee before him? When's the last time you bowed your heart? When's the last time you humbled yourself to him and just simply said, you are God. You are the Almighty. And I know I'm going to face you one day. And I want to praise you now before I get there. I'm just asking you. You don't need to raise your hand. That's something you can think about between you and God. Now I'll move on here. Look at verse 7. It says, after he worshipped, it says, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? 
See, I told you so. He knows who Jesus is. Watch this. He says, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. You see, he knew he was condemned. And he knew Jesus had the authority to send him on to hell now. Verse 8. Jesus speaking. He said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. He doesn't have to do any hocus pocus. He just has to speak the word. Come out. Verse 9. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he, the devil, the demon, answered, saying, uh, My name is Legion, for we are many. See, I told you the truth. Verse 10. And he, this is the demon, besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was a, there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. That's how they sounded. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. They had to get his permission. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. So whenever I see a herd running uncontrollably, maybe it's a bunch of demons working there. Now, <clears throat> I want to move down to verse, uh, verse, let's see, where's it at? Verse 15, yeah. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed. I love the past tense. That was. Not anymore. Was possessed. It says, with the devil and had the legion. Here he is. He's sitting. Clothed. And in his right mind. And they were afraid. Well, so this man who's experienced this dramatic change, he's sitting listening to Jesus because that's the evidence of somebody who experiences the grace of God. They, they, they want more. <laughs> they understand they need that man. Here he's sitting, and he's clothed. <laughs> Got his clothes. We believe in that around here. Wintertime, that's easy to preach. See. But I'd preach it if I was in Miami, too. I would. I think people ought to wear clothes. I'm for it. And it you all for that, right? That's a, that's a good thing. Actually, it'd be kind of embarrassing. Just All right, anyways. So, he's <clears throat> clothed. He's in his right mind. The guy's thinking right. He's thinking right. I want to stay with you. I want to follow you. What you've done to me is absolutely amazing. I need this. I need you. And the Lord says, well, I'm heading back to the other side. I want to go with you. No. No. And I know it doesn't say this, but maybe in the Lord's heart and mind, I hate to say it like this, but I think I could be saved here. The Lord's thinking of his wife and his kids. Thinking of his mom and his dad. Thinking of his brothers and sisters. Thinking of the old friends that he had. Thinking of the guys, the old employer. Thinking of the neighborhood that knew him, that he grew up in. 
No, go home. Go home. Can you imagine? I don't know what time he showed up. And you know, if you hadn't been there in a while and you've burnt bridges, I don't think you're going to barge in. I don't think you're going to barge in. I think he knocked on the door. I think the house was startled. Someone on the inside probably said, yes, who is it? And a voice from the other side said, it's, it, it's me. Me who? Your husband. Huh? We'll call him Fred. It's Fred. I can see the lady on the other side looking at the kids saying, I think it's your father. And the kids are scared. He knocks again. Yes. Honey, it's Fred. It's all right. And she opens the door slowly. With tears in his eyes, he looks at her and he looks at the kids who grown a little since he's seen him last he's got clothes on now but he's scarred a little bit other than that he's looking healthy there's a sparkle in his eye and he tells them what happened and they all embrace in a big hug and they all weep and they all bow before Jesus and they give gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ And then he says, I've got some more business to do. I'll be back in just a little bit. And he goes to the next door, his parents' house, and knocks. And then he goes to his friends and knocks. And one by one, he tells everybody he can. He spreads it abroad. He can't help himself. His heart is so filled. And in Gadara, there's celebration amongst his family and friends. Even though the pig owners got upset, and they were fearful because they lost a lot of money, Family and friends were pretty happy on that evening when he came home after his encounter with Jesus. Now, we know the story Amazing Grace. You may not know the author well, John Newton. He was a slave owner. He was a very abusive man in his own home a violent drinker, a very vile man. And he almost drowned. God almost took his life before he got saved. And it was the drowning experience where he was just rescued at the last minute. A man had taken a, uh, uh, a, what kind of, what are those hooks called? A a gap? I'm not thinking of the word. uh, like a shepherd's crook, and, and, and pulled him out of the water, and John Newton realized it was the grace of God that he pulled me out of the water. And his mother's testimony as a child resonated in his mind, and he remembered Jesus Christ and the need, and he called on Christ and was gloriously saved. And through that experience, he writes the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that saved a wretch like me. 
Some of you may be familiar with the name Mel Trotters. Many of you may not. Mel Trotters responsible for hundreds of missions throughout the country, rescue missions. And Mel Trotter grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Mel Trotter, his story, his father owned a saloon. As a child, he learned to drink as a six, seven, eight-year-old boy. Uh, somehow he was still able to get married, and his wife didn't realize she knew he drank, but she didn't realize he was an absolute addict. And it began to destroy their marriage, destroy their lives. It got so bad one night. This is his testimony, Mel Trotter's testimony. He was so desperate for, for alcohol that he took his baby's shoes and took them down to the local pawn shop, sold them for enough money to get some booze. And on one, one, one evening after he was, all, he was homeless and he was living on the streets of Chicago, he's invited in the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission. Some of you heard of that? It's still going. And he hears the glorious gospel and gets saved. He stays there till he gets his life straightened out. He gets reunited with his family. And from there he begins to start mission works all over the country. Telling people what great things Christ had done. This man, Ricardo, grew up in the west side of Manhattan in the Salts, is what they called it. A very vulgar, very, very wicked area. As a young boy, he was molested over and over again. As a teenager, he began to make money by selling his body. He would dress like a woman. He would dress in drag. And it got to where, in all appearances, you couldn't tell it was a, a man by the way he dressed. A group from the Brooklyn Tabernacle started handing out gospel tracts in the red light district of west side of Manhattan over in the Salts. And they went right up to these people dressed in drag that were prostituting themselves, handing out gospel tracts, inviting them to church. Ricky came to church. He sits almost up front, his first time there, big church. The preacher, Jim Cimbala, says when he walked in, he thought, well, who's that lady? Um, he knew it was a visitor. And um, a couple other men commented, long blonde hair. And he greets her, ma'am, it's really good to have you, and when he walks away, one of the men in the ministry said, uh, that's Ricky, that's a guy. He said, no way. He said, okay. So uh, they made him feel welcome, preached the gospel. Ricky kept coming back, and Ricky finally got saved Ricky kept coming back because people didn't stiff-arm him. It was awkward? Well, sure. 
but the grace of God that was cultivated in the people welcomed him. Even dressed in drag. Weird. But he was welcome. And he heard the gospel. And he come forward. And after he got saved, there was a process of change that took place after about three, six months. They started teaching him how to be a man. Masculine traits and things like that. Things that he never learned. About a year, two years after his conversion, he was in the ministry team. He got married. A woman. And God had led he and his wife to Texas in another ministry. And by this time, uh, he, he, had, he was working. And in Texas, he started getting ill. It was discovered that he had AIDS. And he would die of AIDS, but on a, before he died, he would lead the, the, a nurse or two to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's finishing strong. That's grace there. And that's what every, listen, all of us, we got to believe that the grace of God is able to break through. We got to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse the most vile sinner. We got to keep praying and we got to keep witnessing and we got to keep working and walking as though we believe that. I'll conclude with one more story and I'm going to have Brother Brian and Brother Brad come on up here now if you'll get ready. Her name was Anna Waterman. Anna Waterman. And she was brokenhearted about her husband. Her husband was abusive, her husband was a, a hard drinker. Anna had got saved, and she got excited about the things of Christ, and she believed that God could change her husband. And she got a prayer team together with some other ladies, and they just be banded together and prayed. And I mean, weeks and months and even years still praying, and she'd show up sometimes just really discouraged because of her husband's behavior. Somehow, some miraculous way, she stayed with this man, and she kept praying, and boy, it wasn't easy. But three years into it, after her conversion, she's sitting in the middle of the church service, and unbeknownst to her, her husband had come in and sat in the back. And at the invitation, as the preacher gave the invitation, and inviting people to come forward and make a decision for Christ, and, and pray and get close to the Lord she watched her husband walk by her and go to the altar and call on Christ. And it so moved her and so broke her, God inspired her to write this song that we're going to sing here in just a moment. Yes, I know. We're going to have an altar call, and you do as the Lord leads as we sing this song together. It's page 262 in your hymn book. Page 262. I believe God can change people because there was a Christmas in Gadara. I hope you believe he can too. Brother Brian?
Let's all stand if you're able. We don't have this song on the screen, so you will need your hymnal. It is hymn 262. Come ye sinners, lost and lonely. 